Hello? Hello, Stryker. It's K-Play. What's up? Are you on your way? Dude, I'm on my way. I'm a little late. I'm listening to Dr. Dre, uh, and it's raining, and Emily was late to pick me up. We're going to be there in 10 minutes. All right. In 10 minutes, I will stall. Uh, I get to see you. I get to see Emily. Be careful out there, and don't run over any of the rocks getting here. Okay. What's the difference between me and you? See ya. <laughs> Your name is Stryker? Yes, it is. That's fire. <laughs> wow. I love sandwiches. It's called tuna on toast. I, I, I spit. I don't know what I'm doing. I love music and I love those that create it. Stryker's here. Tuna on toast. Yes. Yeah, welcome to another episode of Tuna on Toast. We're not slowing this podcast down, man. Tuna on Toast is brought to you by Hammer Toyota out there in Mission Hills here in Southern California. I'm not telling you this second to go buy or lease a car or sell your car, but keep them in mind, please. When it's time to get a new car and you're thinking, you know what? I need a new ride. Cruise around Southern California. Support the company that supports Tuna on Toast. Johnny. He's the general sales manager. You're not going to find a better dude. I was watching his Instagram stories this past weekend. He was having a lot of fun at System of a Down. They treat you like a rock star. It's just a great experience when you go to the lot. First step, though, check out the website, H-A-M-E-R, HammerToyota.com. FYI, if you are thinking of getting a new ride, you can reach out to me in my Instagram, Ted Stryker, and I'll give you the hookup, Johnny's phone number, and all that good stuff. All right. All right. Kay Flay in just a minute. Uh, for me personally and professionally, this has been a whirlwind the last seven to 10 days. If you just know of me from this podcast, hey, thanks. I'm glad we're friends now. Um, I started another job. I've got another venture now, and it's a daily radio show. I've partnered up with my friend Booker. I've known him for 20 years. And if you've listened to Howard Stern over the years, you've heard Howard uh, mention Booker. Booker's smart, entertaining, talented, and we're on every single day from 3 to 7 on Alt 98.7 in Southern California. Have the first five or six shows been Hall of Fame status? They have not. But has it been fun? Has it been fun? Absolutely. And that's the goal of the daily radio show. It's just to have a good time. It's not rocket science. You play some tunes. There's some really fun chatter. You give away some cool crap. It's the end of the day, and then you go home. And for me, I come home and I get the podcast ready. Every Tuesday, we drop a new episode. So thank you for all the support and all my ventures. It's so appreciated. K-Flay is incredible. She is like, as you know, unbelievably created, but her intelligence is off the charts as well. She's charming and she's incredible on stage. All those factors I just named, I guess... That's why she's a superstar, because you need all of those things to have the career that she has built for herself. She went to Stanford, if you don't know that. We don't dig deep into her Stanford days for a couple of reasons. Number one, I've had previous chats, even on TV with Kay Flay, and we talked about Stanford. And at this point in her career, more than more than 10 years in, She's probably sick of being asked like, okay, you looked at my Wikipedia and you saw that I went to Stanford, blah, 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 blah. In 2012, she got a record deal to a major label and that didn't go necessarily great. We get into that and a whole bunch of other stuff. Make sure to check out her latest EPs. There's Inside Voices 
and outside voices, and Kay Flay is hitting the road, and she prepared for this tour much differently than she had prepared for any other tour, and it's really cool what we get into. I had never heard of a musical artist preparing to go on the road the way Kay Flay has prepared. So without any further ado, let's get to it. She's a Grammy-nominated artist, was nominated back in 2018 for Blood in the Cut. Here she is, the one and only Kay Flay. That's your spot right there. Like, I, I make sure that I know what's happening by narrating my activities to myself. That makes it easier. Well, it's kind of like, it's like a verbal to-do list. Yes, right. Right, like, it's just like, okay, I put all this stuff in my day bag. I've brushed my teeth. <laughs> I've, I also have a, I have, um... Thank you, Sean. A locking anxiety. Like one of my one of my obsessions that I deal with in therapy. I mean, Emily knows this, is is like a checking, a checking anxiety. So basically I've developed a system where I'm allowed to check the locks in the house and check the stove, and then I say a code word to myself. And the code word oh my God, keep going because you're speaking my language. Yeah. And the code word is basically my way of telling myself that I've done the check I'm allowed, and the, and then the compulsion must end. Okay, question. Yeah? Is your code word Morello? <laughs> my whole life is about Tom Morello. <laughs> I've dedicated my life to him. <laughs> uh, yeah, and actually, interestingly, not to sidetrack this whole thing, but I developed this strategy when I, early pandemic, was helping to watch over my friend's house. And that's when it really spiraled out because I would be like 10 minutes down the road being like, wait, did I lock their house? And it's bad enough if it's my house, but then it's like my best friend's house. So if I didn't lock that, then I've failed. Yeah. Yeah. Incredibly. And you feel like it's helped you. Give me a percentage in terms of this helping. Uh, 95. Wow. That's unbelievable. And hold on. I got to give you something because I I respect wood. Where's the uh, coaster, Sean? Oh my gosh, yes. No, we have one coaster only. And I always misplace it. Okay, I should have asked. No, no, still, it's my fault. Okay, thank you, Sean. Okay, I'll just do that. (laughs) Now, this doesn't really need a coaster because it's a hydro flask. Maybe. This is, and this relates to a whole other thing. One of my best friends was visiting me this weekend, and we both have water anxiety. Okay, can we just say, we're, for on camera, we're starting in just a second. Okay. Okay, we're starting in just a second. So I'm coming in very hot. Good. I got you all uh, going with the... Yeah, the, I was invigorated. Vibes. I was invigorated. Have you ever parachuted? <laughs> no, are you kidding me? No. No, I have not done, like, thrill-seeking. I would never do that in a million years. Like, my heart rate's up enough from, like, checking the stove. I don't need right. to, you know... <laughs> for $20 million... I would jump out of an airplane. I wouldn't do it for a thousand dollars. No, hell no. I mean, a thousand—that's a lot of money. That's a thousand. I mean, thousand dollars is a lot of money, but it's not enough. Yeah, that's worth your life. Yeah. Would you do it for eight thousand? No. Okay. Twelve. No. (laughs) Fifty. No, no. You wouldn't do it for fifty. No, I think I think the the. I think I would do it for five hundred (laughs) thousand. (laughs) <laughs> Everyone has their price. 
Yeah, it need to be a lot. If I were making a full-length album this year, the first person I would call to write every damn song, produce it, and sing on the tracks with me would be my guest today. Kay Flay is at the house. Thanks for coming over. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so, I'm so glad to be here today. All right. So uh, for those of you listening, Kay Flay and I have already done some activities around the house. We played a game <laughs> called Bad Vibes, Good Vibes that you can watch on the YouTube channel. So we've already did our big hellos, but that was the official intro. Well, I enjoyed the official intro and I would be honored to write um, all the songs on your album. It would tank terribly. <laughs> it would, I mean, because of me, not because of, like you would write. They're like, how come this horrible singer? No, I think you could. I think you could do like a Tom Waits thing and just like, or like a Lou Reed vibe, right? Like, just if 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 you're there with passion and grit. Yes. Right. So there is. I have passion. You I your, have grit. Yeah. I think I could do it. I think you could do it. Oh my goodness! All right. There's been so much conversation, both yes. on camera, off camera. This the yellow bottle drinking uh, thing that you bought. Yes. Also known as a thermos. Is that a, called a thermos? You know, that- well, I call it a hydro flask because that's its brand name. <laughs> okay. I, I mean, I would call it a water bottle. Okay, water bottle. But, but it is a thermos, right? Like it does, it retain it uh, retains the temperature. And I'm trying to bring back the word thermos, just so you know. I okay. feel like people lost it somewhere in like Pe- the early 90s. People lost thermos. Yes. We're finding it again. This is a thermos. <laughs> and I, one of the reasons, so Sean was asking, are you going to drink out of this? And my answer to that is, I don't know, you know, but I need it here. Okay. And this relates to a thing that I have, which is water anxiety. Now, this was not brought to my attention until one of my very good friends, Noah, with whom I incidentally have a matching tattoo, which is kind of, you know, that's rare. Yeah. Do you have any matching tattoos? Uh, no, I don't. Do you have any tattoos? I have zero tattoos. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's makes you very unique. Um, he was he was staying with me over the weekend, and we were talking about how we both have water anxiety. What does that everywhere? Mean? So it's this just baseline fear that there won't be water, <laughs> and we're gonna be thirsty. <laughs> and okay. and as a consequence, yes. I mean, Emily, you can. We have a, someone off screen who yeah. can vouch for this. Like, I t- I take liquids with me. Like, I take water with me. This bottle comes with me. Like photos. Do you think shoots. I wouldn't have water available for you here? Well, see, no, right? Like rationally, I can think like Stryker has a, a faucet at right. the very least. <laughs> like there's tap water, but the idea that it's like my thing and it's here and it's always full. You know, this even has a little ding on it because it I it's been that. all over the world. This uh, thing oh. has traveled with me, you know, all truly all over the world. Um, and that's from Noah. And this, well. This is not from Noah. Okay. This I bought myself okay. with my own money <laughs> that I didn't you. earn from skydiving for oh. a price. <laughs> um, yeah, and so I have this. I have this fear that I'm gonna need water, and it's not gonna be available to me. And this was not brought to my attention until this weekend, when it when all the pieces came together, because I'm always carrying this thing. And and the question is like why would I be carrying this thing when it's everywhere I go you're there's water? I'm afraid of being out of water. I'm afraid of being in water anxiety. My wife, named Katie, uh huh, is the exact same way as you when it comes to water. Well, if we are gonna go on a drive to San Diego or Palm Springs, or we have to go to Vegas for work or something like that, and it's uh, five in the morning, I just want to get in the car and put my foot on the gas and go, and no distractions. We have to stop for water and the coffee. 
So we can't leave at four in the morning. It's always has to be at five when the coffee place is open. Yeah. I can't have, I can't go on the ride without liquid. And then as a result, an hour and 30 minutes into the drive, I have to pull over right. so she can use the restroom. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I relate. That's why I'm also walking the aisles of an airplane is because I'm drinking a lot of water. Like I was actually just on a flight and I brought my own water, of course. But this is only 18 ounces or whatever it is. Yes. And <laughs> I kept, I was on a long flight and I just was like, every time they came around with water, I took water. And then multiple times I went to the little flight attendant area Yes, and just took more water. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a belief that like hydration, I need it. I need it. I, and it, you're, I've never seen anyone so passionate about anything in life. <laughs> and over the last many years, there are very are more important things to be passionate about. And I know you are. But this is, seems like you're extremely passionate about. And I appreciate that at the same time. Thank you. You're very welcome. Yeah. I'm, I am passionate about this and other things. Yes. Um, Let's get into some other things. We can get into okay. I mean, transition we could talk out about water. water bottles all day we can and water. Transition out. But I relate to it. And thank you for sharing that. Every time I see you... At a concert now, yes, or just maybe on YouTube, I'm going to think of you need water, or you're afraid of there not being any water, and hopefully whoever's around you has a bottle nearby. And I'm unofficially sponsored by Pedialyte. Like, that's the oh. levels. <laughs> like, that's where I'm at in life. Unofficially. <laughs> well, maybe after this. Listen, I'm kind of angling for a sponsorship. They've given me a, a lot of stuff. Oh, great. They've given me product. They give me merch. Pedialyte makes... Very nice. Do they? Merch. Yeah. Okay. They're based in Columbus, Ohio. They really hooked me up. Soft t-shirts or? Soft t Hawaiian okay. shirts. Hawaiian jean shirts. jackets. <laughs> Listen. Anyway, I'm angling for the full sponsorship. Apparently, they're going for like the infant market more so than right. my demographic. But of <laughs> alas. Right. As we sit here today, just so everybody knows, it's not even February. It's like middle January. Yes. Um. Officially, it's confirmed you're hitting the road soon, right? That's yes. happening. Good for you. Thank you. Are you in the starting blocks right now, Kay? Like, are you excited, nervous? Are you just dying to get out of the city? What's your train of thought right now in this? My headspace yeah. is, so we played of like a month or so of shows last year. So I, I have broken the ice in terms of just like being back out on the road. But this is, you know, it's always different for a headline tour. Right. And we're really you know, we're planning an experience and I'm doing something pretty cool, which is, you know, for every tour, I'm always trying to think like, how do we, how do we number one, reflect the music? And then number two, how do we create a new experience for people? Especially right. there's a lot of, a lot of folks who've been to the show before. So a couple tours ago, we did like, you know, a big uh, LED video wall. Last tour, we did this like gigantic, like plexiglass pyramid set piece that I sort of like climbed on and my my band was like ensconced in. It was very, very cool. So I was thinking, you know, I've done these like incredibly visual elements. Where could I push myself? And I, I really, my head just went to like p intimacy and performance. And so this, this tour is like also a storytelling. It has like a theatrical element. Oh, and um, it's really cool. So I've I've kind of alongside performing the songs and really working on on making those things seamless. It is about telling a story about 
the voices in my head, which is the concept of this last record. Inside voices. Outside voices. And outside voices, right. And and so, yeah. So I'm like, it, it's it's a kind of a, it's like a whole last thing. <laughs> That's amazing. I would think, and I'm an outsider, that one has to be extremely confident to follow through with all this stuff. You're going on the road and you're taking this idea and you're going to do it on stage, as you said. Yeah. Do you get nerves, uh, not necessarily performing, but making sure all these things that you see in your head happening actually happen? Is it tough? It is tough. And actually, we, we were talking on the way over um, about like how having a team of people that you trust allows you to achieve things, which is seems like a fairly obvious um, conclusion to reach, but right. really is true. Like, I think tours are such a team effort, right? Like you've got your touring crew, you've also got your management. And I was actually saying to my manager the other day, he had been pushing me. He was like, I really think you should like try out working with an acting coach for some of this. Like, cause I've never, prior to becoming a musician, I was never on stage. Like I wasn't a kid who performed or was involved in anything like that. So I don't really have any training or experience outside of the first time I got on stage and, you know, made That's a 10 years ago at least though, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I've had, and I feel like I've got that experience of performing in the context of these are my songs, right? But performing in the context of I want to communicate a story and I'm going to do it in a little bit of a dramatic fashion. Yeah. That feels like new territory. So one of my friends who is an actor, yeah, I hooked me up with someone and it's been extremely exciting and interesting just in terms of a, a way to approach the world. Like, cause her, her, the way that we've been talking is like everything, not in a jaded way is a performance. Right. Right. Like, oh, absolutely. So like socially how we interact is a performance. Yes. And, in every situation, you have an objective and a desire to communicate something, and your body language and your tone changes because of that. And right. so just thinking about how I want to tell this story, it has these different chapters, you know, who am I talking to, like in my mind's eye? Um, and what do I want to try to tell them? Like, do I want to, do I want to get them excited? Oh, so tough and so exciting at the same time. Yeah, and like her whole, her whole point is it's really natural. You're doing it every day. Like sometimes you get on the phone and you want to like rile someone up. Sometimes you get on the phone and you want to be really vulnerable and right. and share something. And so just tapping into these things we do naturally is is kind of the exercise. So it's been this has been a very circuitous answer, but I I'm in the midst of I guess kind of honing the show. It's everything's written, all of our transitions, like the bands going. I've been rehearsing just on my own, and then in a couple of weeks I head to Nashville for Excellent. actual rehearsal. Excellent. Yeah. Um, does the acting coach listen to like TGIF or My Name Isn't <laughs> Catherine beforehand to get a sense of like, hold on, I want to know about this person before we come face to face or Zoom or, or however you do it? So we approached it. We met without her listening to the music, which I actually think was the correct thing to do. And then she she was listening over the weekend. And I was like, also, I'm sorry about the profanity. Um, and she was like, why would I care? And I was like, that's a good point. I don't know why you would care. Like, you just seem like a an intellectual person and I, I would hate to be crass in front of you, but here I am. <laughs> here I am. Yeah, so... We'll see. I, I'm meeting with her again on Wednesday. 
And it's just, I think, you know, so many times we approach a situation and worry that it means we don't know how to do something, right? When we're like seeking guidance or seeking help that it reflects poorly on us. But in a weird way, it's it's expansive and it right. it reflects well on us that we're open to learning. Yes. And that's like that's actually really exciting and a good reminder. I know the tour is going to go great. Thank you for sharing all that. That yeah. is so interesting. If I said the tour actually starts tomorrow, you ready? Or you need a oh, few more days? I need <laughs> I need a, I need a couple weeks. Yeah. Okay. Do you remember every lyric every single time you perform? Um sometimes so there's a couple songs I sometimes like space out a little bit. <laughs> Is it because of the song or you're focused on someone in the front row? It's, okay, there's like a couple reasons. So there's a couple songs where the lyrics, no offense to myself, aren't as good, I would say. Like, or they're kind of more generic in a sense. Like I have a song called FML. All right, okay, yes. And it's like, I'm sort of saying, you know, it's all about like, I'm, I'm pushing the limits of life, right? And I hate it and I love it. But the, the verse lyrics are not super specific in a way. And so sometimes I mix them up. Sometimes I start the song and I start the second verse. Then I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> I did this out of order. <laughs> um, and that's an, you know, I think one of the great skills I've learned in performing, and I, I, th I would imagine you feel the same way, is, is flexibility. Right? Like, right. Things don't always go as you plan. Especially when it's live. Right. It, because it could go haywire, but maybe you're the only, you could be the only one that knows, oh, I think I'm off track here. Uh, let me try to get back to yeah. where I need to go. Right. And such a huge part of, I think, being a performer and uh, particularly being a front person is you're setting the tone. Right. So people can tell when you're uncomfortable. Mm. Whether, it's very subtle, but people can tell. And so I've learned that the most important thing is to just stay loose and stay comfortable even when I make often egregious errors. Um, What's an egregious error? Yeah, like like singing. <laughs> like I've done, for instance, I've like sung verse one. Then verse two comes around and I just hit it one more time. Verse one again. <laughs> just, <laughs> That's charming, though. I and, mean, that's bound to happen. Right. You do so many performances, night after night after and night. And sometimes you just, for me with lyrics, it's it's like the first line. And if if the first line goes wrong, yes, I'm on a whole nother <laughs> train track. And I I think you know the the point about mistakes being part of the live experience and being charming, and therefore possibly not even being mistakes. Yes, like reconceptualizing it just as part of this experience that things go differently than the recorded version things sound different because partially we do that intentionally right is has been really good um to remember just in life and i think often when we're vulnerable or we slip up we we're like self-conscious and we're like ah oh, i'm so sorry and then people are like no i loved that vulnerability is such a lovely quality, I believe. And I, I've been a, a zillion shows and you have too. I like when a band starts, yeah. artist starts, yeah. and 10 seconds later, like, hold on a minute, stop, 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 stop. I messed that up. Everyone laughs. We're like, okay, let's try this one more effing time. Five, six, seven, eight. And then yes. you get right through it. Totally. And, you know, I think that attitude belies a confidence, right? The ability to stop the song, just be like, 
Yeah, I fucked that up. Yes. Instead of kind of shrinking in the face of that vulnerability, but really like stepping up and stepping into it, that's that's exciting to see. And I've told this story before, but one of my first, like, one of the first concerts I went to that really meant something to me was Liz Fair was doing the 15th anniversary of Exile in Guyville. Okay, yes. I was in college. Where was that at? In Northern California somewhere? Yeah, that was at the Fillmore in San Francisco. And she was just doing the record start to finish. And it was really cool because the crowd was like people my age, like, you know, 20 or whatever. And then people who were 35, like people who had been 20 when it came out. They experienced it the first time it came around. Right, and then people who now were 20. Yeah, And so it was a really cool crowd. And she did the record, you know, start to finish. And then we're all screaming, you know, come back, yeah. do more. Yeah. And she came on and it's like one of the only genuine encores I've ever witnessed. She was like, I don't have anything planned. <laughs> and like, I didn't know if people would come to the show. Like, I didn't know how this was going to go. And now as a performer, oh. I relate to that. Because yeah. sometimes you just don't. At the time, I was like, I was so flabbergasted. I was like, she didn't think anyone would show up. It's sold out, you know? Um and so she started playing Polyester Bride, didn't know the chords. People in the crowd were like, E minor, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it was such a charming moment. And I never forgot that. And it was really genuine. Uh, and I think cool. that, again, stepping into your own vulnerability as a performer is the best thing you can do for an audience. And one note that I'm going to keep about something that you just said was you need to be as best as you can, relax as possible. Mm -hmm. But it's much easier said than done. I mean, even some of the best actors will say, believe it or not, I wasn't relaxed right there. And then I watched someone like Robert Downey Jr. act. He looks like, like it's the easiest thing in the world, but you know he's prepped probably for hours. And he's just so relaxed, which is why those performances, and I'm saying him in particular, because I watch him like, look at this dude out there. It's so good. Well, I think part of being relaxed is being very present in the moment so that even when things go wrong, you're there with it. You're not 10 steps ahead thinking about, well, what is this going to look like? Oh, my God, what's it? You know, you're just kind of in it. Yeah. And that looseness is really hard to achieve and takes and takes a lot of time and takes practice. Right. But it's it's an exciting, you know, it's it's an exciting state to be in. Because it's very, you're alive. Speaking of relaxed or not relaxed yes. and being alive, you put out Inside Voices, great songs. Outside Voices, great songs. Two EPs. Yes. Back to back in, in the same year. Before you release, whether it's one song one day or here's three more one day, do you get uh, anxiety? Or are you someone once it's done, it's out of your hands and you just go and live your life. And if one person likes it or 10 million streams here, how does it work for you? I think it changes um, depending on the circumstance. In general, I would say there's a sense of relief and accomplishment when we put something out because it really is, it's it's a team effort. And there's something wonderful about seeing what essentially was nothing, meaning a thought, right? Germinate into a song and artwork and a video and you know wh- whatever the accompanying things are, and that feels like something to celebrate. So I feel good and happy when I That's release music. Great, good, good. I think 
I've adopted and I don't always, sometimes I can go into a, um, an adjacent negative spiral, but for the most part, the, I feel like the world of music right now is so unpredictable and lawless that there's a liberation to that. Mm. Like, you know, I've, I've been having an interesting experience this year because an older song of mine called High Enough is like, you know, has, has had this resurgence because of TikTok. Like it's like a big thing on TikTok, right? Like, so all these people are listening to a song I put out four years ago. Right. And Which album, where was High Enough on? This is on Everywhere Somewhere. So oh, it is. So this is the same record as Blood in the Cut. Wow, this yes. Was, yeah, and I always loved that song. It didn't kind of get its, like, whatever at the time. Like, it, you know, it, di it did well and was, was played on the radio and stuff, but, you know, it is by a factor of two the, like, most popular song of mine. No. Yeah. Like we're we're I think we're at like 160 million streams of that song just because of TikTok. My hope is, <laughs> and you don't have to say this, because I support and love artists in every way, especially when they create music that I gravitate to. Mm -hmm. And you've been doing that for me, not necessarily since day one, but right. once I learned of you, that everyone is that's finding you on TikTok goes to listen to the other songs. Yeah. Because they're so good and you're so honest with the lyrics and it can be about something way over here to the right. I'm not talking about politically, but feelings over here yeah. to the right, feelings over here to the left. So I hope they do a deep dive on K-Flay. Yeah, and I think, I hope so too. And I think some people are. You good. Know, good. I think, good. of course, some people are are just, they like that song, which is fine. Yeah. People but are allowed sometimes to. it takes just one song for someone to just pay for a concert ticket or for buy sure. a shirt or something. For sure. And so I think the like, the general again lawlessness feels like the right adjective of the music industry right now has has made me feel a little a little bit more at peace when i put something out of like cool this doesn't need to hit today i don't know when someone's going to connect with it maybe it's on release day um i also don't know how many people are going to connect with it maybe it's uh, uh 10,000 maybe it's 10 million whatever yeah and i need to be I need to be okay with that. And I need to understand that I've kind of committed my life to creating a body of work, right? And and playing playing a long game, right? Like just settling into this, yeah. this creative life. And the more I think I can adopt that mentality, and I think I have over time, it makes releases much less anxiety-filled and much more like what they are, which is a release. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like it's a, it is a release of like tension and energy. And then it's, and then that's done. That is such a great mindset. And I think you've built up so much credibility with people that listen to music and those that create it. Like my friends, Tony and Mike do. I got it. Oh, I forgot my glasses in the other room. Oh. But these are just some of a few of the artists that you have collaborated mm. with. And I'm just going to go through this quickly. Yes. We don't have to talk about each one, but Tom Morello, Tom DeLong, Bishop Briggs, Walk the Moon, Shinoda. By the way, all of those have been on this podcast, whether you're writing or singing with them, grandson, et cetera. Do you have to ad adapt or adopt to something they're looking for in a song or you just do it? This I'm K-Flay. I'm feeling this right now. How does it work for collabs with you? That's a great question. I think it totally depends. So if I'm coming on to feature on a track, right? Like as K-Flay. 
I'm definitely bringing my sensibility because I think that's a part of it, right? Like when you when you get in a room with somebody and you're kind of doing a, a featuring situation, you're mashing up your your two sensibilities. So um, and thereby allowing each one of you to get a little bit outside of your sensibility. So if I'm featuring on a grandson track, I'm kind of giving myself a little bit of license to do like a Jordan thing, right? And like Jordan's giving himself a little bit of license to do a Christine thing. Yes. And and there's yes. something really playful and, and liberating about that. When I've written for um, four other artists' projects where I'm I'm really just, then I have a, a total mental switch. I'm I'm part of the team, right? Like I'm here to support your vision. How can I help? Is that right. hard to get in that mind space where you, it's like, okay, I'm here to help you. This is, you have to realize it's not the K-Flay operation right now. Right. It's this other operation. That's not hard at all. It's actually really fun. Um, you know, and with Walk the Moon, uh, just taking a recent example of a song, uh, I co-wrote uh, their single, Can You Handle My Love? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I worked on that with one of my very frequent collaborators, one of my best friends, Tommy English. And, um, you know, Tommy and Nick and I, got in a room and and just started working on things and I think you know talking to Nick it's like where Nick from Walk the Moon sorry Nick from Walk the yeah. Moon you know what's your what's your headspace where are you looking to go how and then me just kind of silently thinking how can I how can I help maybe you know I think often for me it's it's a lot of lyric ideas and little sparks of inspiration for people I mean Nick for instance is an incredible like his his understanding of melody is extremely robust yes. and excellent. So I'm kind of like, Nick doesn't need my help with <laughs> melody. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Nick's like, fine. Um, where can I, where can I add and where can I push and maybe inspire something is like perhaps more in the rhythm and lyric department. And I, I don't know, just kind of like, uh, you know, I've always liked being a part of a team and, and songwriting with others it just, it feels really natural. And, you know, uh, Bishop, yeah. um, Sarah's one of my, has become one of my cl real, really close friends. And so for us writing together is like, I mean, that's very easy, right? Because we know each other um, and I know her really well. And I can tell when something's exciting, when something's not exciting, <laughs> when, you know, and just, just being that support person, I think, I, I don't know. I really, I really enjoy that. I, you know. I don't always like to be, I don't always like being, you know, up front. <laughs> I like being in the back. I mean, sometimes there's got to be just a little bit less, sorry to keep bringing up pressure, and but like yeah. a little less pressure when you're like on somebody else's thing and you're working your butt off with them mm -hmm. and for them. But when it's all done, it's kind of, some most of it is on them. Yeah. And I think, I think what's been cool is because I have the experience and perspective of being like, as I like to say, just like the asshole who has to do it on stage, right? Like, you understand what me what writing a song means. Right. Because, right. like, you might have to play that for 10 years. You might have to get on stage and, like, do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it matters. Um, and so I, I have a very uh, relaxed attitude about songwriting in that if we get together and we drink coffee and we talk about water anxiety, and yeah. then that's fine. You know, right. and there is no pressure. Like, we, we all have a goal to create something, but at the same time, you know, it 
creating something is is a long process right and very weird you know sometimes i was actually i was listening to um a really great interview so i recently read the book the plot okay uh which is i i highly recommend it uh the author is jean hanf Corlitz. Uh, she actually wrote the novel upon which the series The Undoing was based on. Okay. If anybody watched that, if you watched that. I didn't see The Undoing. And so the brief synopsis of the plot is that, this is just a side note, but the, there's a guy, he's a he's sort of a failed novelist. He had a critically acclaimed first novel. <laughs> he's gone on to just sort of like, you know, not really do anything of, of note. He has a student in one of his MFA programs who has this amazing idea for a novel sort of a, a bulletproof plot okay and then he finds out that that student has died and that book was never written there's no manuscript and so he decides to write that book based on the plot the student told correct him. okay and that's all this i'll is say good. oh my god no keep and that's then that's i don't want to say anymore because okay. then i'll be spoiling and this is a book this is a this is okay. a novel tell me when it's gonna be a netflix series and then i'm I will sure <laughs> i'm sure it's already been optioned uh but it's called the plot and okay. it's really interesting and i was listening to an interview with the author after i read it and she said the idea for this came to her in a meeting with her agent while the agent was rejecting one of her other books, was being like, we're not going to publish that. And she's like, well, I do have this other idea. And then wrote this book in four months. And then wow. she was saying one of her other books took her 20 years to write. Like, in a fashion, right? Yes, yeah. And I think that that's really, I mean, I don't think songs usually take 20 years because they're shorter, but I think that's very similar with songs. Some things, like, you just write. Some things just, just happen. And then some things take time. Right. Yeah. And so it's nice to like, when I work with other people, to remember that. Because I think there can be, as you say, a pressure, especially in a songwriting sense. Like, we've got to get the song today. We've got six hours. Like, okay. We've got more than six hours. <laughs> do you um, do or speak into your phone and say five words at a time? And like, oh, I just thought of this phrase. Or are you someone who sits down and does 10 lines at a time. Like if you're driving and you see something or think of something, how do you, what do you do? More of the 10 lines at a time. You do. I don't, I, you know, some people keep like uh, notes in their phone of like little phrases. Right. Yes. I don't do that. Yes. Like I have no. People in here tell me that. They're like, yeah. oh, my partner said this and, and then I use it in a song three years later. Yeah, I probably should do that. I don't do that. I have sometimes I come in a session. And people are like, "You have any like stuff written down?" I'm like, literally nothing. Um, <laughs> I'm, literally I'm, nothing. I'm utterly unprepared. Yes. But I I get more inspired by what's happening in the moment and what what music conjures. Because usually, like those phrases or those thoughts are somewhere in my head. Yeah, yeah. And then we hear like that riff or that chord progression, and it just. I think I have a more stream of consciousness way of writing. And that's what's worked for me in the past and what feels exciting. I think writing to strict concepts doesn't always, mm. I'm not always as um, that's not for you prolific right okay. in, that, in that manner. All right. Do you get down on yourself if you're attempting to get a song done? And even though you talk about there takes time, but you feel like I'm in the zone right now. I know how this is supposed to go. And then you hear it and you're like, I stink. This stinks. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> that's, a, 
That is a good question. <laughs> I don't think I've ever had that response. Okay. I do it about myself all the time. Yeah. So I know. mean, I, well, I don't think you stink. Thank you for saying that. But um, I'll look at something like, oh boy, I stink. I need to get out of this business. I guess, I guess the way that I feel about it is if I get to the end point of a song and it's mediocre, because at this point, I'm like decent enough, right? That like what I make is at least okay usually, yes, right? Yes. Like it's not like, wow, that was horrendous. Like that, I couldn't listen to that. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like I'm at least at the point of like sort of a modicum of proficiency that things sound all right. But I think when I hear something, having just the wherewithal to say, that's kind of mediocre, it almost makes me feel good because I know I have to go through a certain amount of mediocre ideas to hit a, a special idea. Gotcha. So it's almost like part of the creative process for me is writing a bunch of thing, writing a bunch of like medium good stuff and then hitting upon something that at least to me feels special. Um, so it's like, that's practice, to quote Alan Iverson. Yeah. We're talking about practice. practice. We're talking about practice. <laughs> Not the game. Not the game. We're talking about practice. Right. Should we do a count now? <laughs> this is a very obscure sports reference. Playoffs. It's, Playoffs. it's you know not that one? A, Do you know that reference? It's something no. else. Okay, forget it. Moving on. Also. Yes. Do you, wait, do you watch sports? Yes. Um. Okay, I will just take a second to say I grew up outside of Chicago, and historically I'm a Chicago Bulls fan. Like, grew up in okay. kind of the... Post, you know, golden age and yes, whatever. Yes. And I witnessed DeMar DeRozan. Did you, have you seen any of the, these highlights? No, it's, he's on the Bulls now. He's on the Bulls now. Right. So, so DeMar DeRozan has a great story and is like kind of a new inspirational person to me. So DeMar, if you're listening to this. He may. He may. We're big in Chicago and with the Bulls. Okay. Well, DeMar DeRozan, if you're listening <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> I'm like looking. DeMar DeRozan, if you're listening, I'm like so inspired by his like sto his life story, kind of like what's been happening recently with his career. And then just a couple weeks ago, he hit two buzzer beaters. I watched both games. Were they back-to-back -back buzzer back beaters? Back-to-back -back games. True buzzer beaters. Like the clock is down to zero by the time the, the yeah. ball goes through the net. And won two games in a row. It's the only time it's ever happened in NBA history. Good for him. That's and awesome. like my brother and I were like, "Holy shit! We just that was like actually historic. <laughs> we just watched that. We just happened to be watching this. I don't know why I'm talking about this. That's um, all right. We're all over the place. So the Bulls are doing pretty pretty good this <laughs> the year. The Bulls are doing good. They're looking good. Is Rory or Lori Markinen still on the team? Markinen? I don't Paul? believe so. Okay. I liked him in college at U of A, and then the Bulls drafted him a few years ago, but okay. I don't know if he's still on the team. I don't believe so. Okay. Zach Levine is like... That guy's awesome. He's he, Right. He's I'm sorry. Awesome. Are the Bears still in the NFL or not? They're still allowed to be in the <laughs> Listen, league? Listen, I have a lot of thoughts on football. Bad vibes. <laughs> <laughs> Bad vibes. <laughs> I don't care about football. Um, <laughs> you do or you don't? I do not care about football. Oh, you do not football. care about football. No. But you like NBA, you like Major League Baseball, you Cubs fan or no, White Sox? No, baseball. Literally, how many games are we talking about? So, Oh, that's how we got to it, practice. Yes, practice. Sorry, I'm like wondering why, why are we talking about yes. this now? I think Major League Baseball, God love we go. baseball fans. Okay. 
It's too much time. I don't have time to watch 160 games or whatever that are all four hours and are pretty slow and like, what's really going on here? Field's big. I can't really see anyone's face. Everyone looks the same. <laughs> Those perfect athletic bodies with like, aren't they? Baseball players? Baseball? Don't they have really good bodies? Basketball players have good bodies. Yes, they do. Yes. Okay, and then here's a whole nother thing. Okay. <laughs> Football, hockey, baseball. What's everyone got on their face and head? Helmet. Who knows what anyone looks like, really? Right. Do I know? Do I relate to these people? It's hard to say. I can't. I can't tell you. Maybe I saw Rob Gronkowski, Rob whatever yes. his name is. Yes. Like, you Gronk. know, partying in Miami and I saw a photo. Maybe that's how I know what he looks like. But I definitely know what DeMar DeRozan looks like because he's not wearing a helmet. And you can really see their faces. And, and there's you can only... see if there's any tattoos and the shorts right. and the body. Fit. Yeah, the whole thing. Okay, that so, makes sense. So I feel really connected to basketball players because you can see them. It's also not a violent sport. It's a really graceful, beautiful sport. It's fast-paced. Um, it's teamwork. I've been paid by the NBA uh, to say all of this. Can we things. have a bet on the season? <laughs> Can we have a bet right now? I'll take the Lakers. You take the Bulls. Oh Who my. goes farther this? The Lakers the are not doing that. Yeah, that the great. Bulls. So what? Do you, so what are we gonna bet? Uh, um, You're gonna eat a can of sardines. Oh my god! And I'm going to if okay. So if the Bulls go further than the Lakers, right? Not best record at the end of the year. This is about playoffs. Ah. Who goes farther? Okay. No, they're in the East. Lakers right, West. Right. Whoever goes. I'm still going to bet on the Bulls. Okay, so sardines for me. What's your least favorite food, but a food mm. that you like of all time? I, I don't really like mushrooms. Okay. I had to eat a mushroom soup this weekend. My friend made it for me. <laughs> Did it? Was it terrible? No, but I was, you know, I ate it. I ate it. It was not my favorite. How about this? I have something. Okay. If the Bulls do better than the Lakers, I eat sardines. Okay. If the Lakers do better, mm -hmm. and I hope this is not too self-serving. If it is, just say striker, shut up. I yeah. get a shout out for five seconds at a K-Flay concert. Oh. In between songs. Da-da-da-da-da. Striker's better than me in sports. Here's a song. Yeah. Okay. When are <laughs> when do the playoffs happen? They do. Uh, when do they start? A couple more. I think a month away. Okay. So my LA show. So here we go. Okay. My LA show is March 13th. The season for sure is in full swing still. Okay. In the future, maybe in one year, two years, four years. I'll from do now. something. I'll post it on the internet. Okay. <laughs> and I will post myself eating sardines. Yeah, or I'll just come over and watch you do it. Okay. That sounds like a great plan. Okay, let's rewind a little bit. Oh man, we're almost already forty minutes into this thing. Casefully. Yes. yes. I'm not trying to create bad vibes, but it's a real question. Okay. Um are, your experience at your first major uh, ten years ago, RCA, mm -hmm. if you look back now, is it is it fine? Does it bother you? Or is it just a learning experience? Oh my gosh. Yeah, a total learning experience. I I have no bad vibes. Oh, okay. I actually am kind of grateful that I had the experience and was never able to release an album. Cause I don't I don't think I understood what I wanted to do. I it was a kind of typical like get signed off the, you know, songs doing well on the internet, get signed and then get thrown into the ringer of like working with all these different producers. And I just didn't have a sense of how to navigate that. I didn't have a sense of really what I wanted to say on some level. 
And so, strangely enough, I got to, you know, I got an advance, so I had some money to live off of, and I got time to make a bunch of music and learn from all these different producers and people I met along the way and start to see, like, oh, I like this, I don't like this, and then leave and then put out my first record just totally independently without any kind of outside influence and so I'm actually I'm really grateful for it and have no bad feelings whatsoever actually um everyone there was really like gracious with me and in fact when I had said like my manager and I were like yeah we can you like let us leave um they they said sure like you can't put out the songs but leave and at first I was like saddened by that but that was actually a great gift it forced me to start over mm. and that was probably the, one of the best things that ever happened to me. Wow. Um, and I imagine just hearing that story that a lot of young, talented people are so happy to get this record deal. Yeah. And then it's just like a little bit overwhelming or a lot overwhelming when 50,000 pieces are moving at once and you're meeting with this person who you do you may not know and maybe you don't let your guard down like you should in the studio to be your truth. And it's just like, whoa, hold on a minute. So, and then you were able to get out of that deal, but you couldn't bring any of the songs with you. That's a blessing. So what was your next step after that professionally and how the hell did you get it done? Next step was putting out my first record, which is called Life is a Dog. Yes. Um, like a, a, a light, you know, cult classic uh, <laughs> or something like that. The song that. Bad Things, I really like on that. Thank you. Um, so that that record was, so that was like basically got dropped, had a couple months of like, what am, what? What am I going to do? Um, hmm. And my manager, Seth, and I were just sort of like, well, we've got some, you know, I was starting to write more songs and we were like, why don't we just put something out ourselves? And we crowdfunded it. So this is like, we didn't do it on Kickstarter. We did it on something called Pledge Music. Okay, yeah. And just created like a bunch of cool experiences and things for people um, to support the record. And I, at that point, had begun touring. So I had I had like a fan base. And yeah, they like overfunded the record. And wow. I had money to put it out. And, um, and then I went on warp tour and then that, that was like, that's when I started really kind of the, my career in earnest. Mm. And I think that experience of accountability to, to the people who participated in this record, accountability to my manager. I mean, we start our own little independent record label. It's called bummer picnic records. Um, to do this, it was a really bonding experience for my manager and me. Um, we were already very close, but like it just was a different type of trust, right? Like we're kind of like, okay, we're in this together. And then a different type of trust with the fans. Like I really need to show up. I need to do a good job with this. Right, right. Um, I started f playing with a band live, right? Like I added a guitarist to the mix and I started thinking about live instrumentation. What am I actually doing up here? Um, why am I doing any of this? So I put out that record. Was very, ex you know, had a great experience with that. And the Warp Tour, quickly about, yes. or, or, or not quickly, Warp yes. Tour. Who were some of the other artists that you were 
touring around with on that particular warp tour? So that warp tour, um, there were, I mean, you know, there's a lot of different bands. Right. I was on the, uh, I guess it was at that time, the Beatport stage. Okay. It was like the Spotify Beatport. It's like the, the people kind of like don't totally fit in, uh, to the like typical warp tour scene. Some of the bands that were on that year. Um, so I shared a bus with a band called Plague Vendor. Okay. And they're they're LA based. They're awesome. Um Brandon, who's the front man for that band, is like he was one of the first people I ever kind of knew personally who was a really great front person. Mm. Like a, a very dynamic, you know, he's like quite thin and like sort of an Iggy Pop energy yes you know and like watching that was really exciting every day um there's an artist watsky george watsky who was also on that tour with us and a lot of members of his crew um became really good friends of mine like even to this day right. uh one of their birthdays is tomorrow nils happy birthday in advance um and yeah just all uh, the story so far was on that that years, like I kind of got introduced to them and their music. Less than Jake, of course, was on oh, it. Like wow. th I think they were having that year their three hundred and sixty fifth day on Warp Tour. Oh they have spent gosh. like over a year of their life on Warp Tour. Um, was it a bonding experience? The whole thing for you was it something that you were attracted to after it was done? Were you like that was for me? That I wouldn't call it a bonding experience. I would call it a formative experience. Okay. <laughs> um, some of the people I really made bonds with, and I think there's, you know, you meet people out and about, and it's like, oh, you did Warp Store? Me too. Like, there's a little bit of a tacit understanding about what that experience entails, all of the wonderful parts of it and all of the challenging parts. And so I think for me, the biggest thing I learned on Warp Tour was or the biggest lesson for me was I need to learn how to put on a good show mm. like in the baking hot sun at 11 a.m. And that's hard right. to do, actually. I bet it is. It's you know? got to be, yeah. Because like if you're if it's 10 p.m., everyone's a little tipsy, there's fog, you're in a club, you know, there's lights. Like, okay, you can kind of just do whatever and it looks a little bit cool. Yeah. <laughs> Warp Tour is not that. You know, it's very much like, what is this performance giving to people? Are you really connected? Are you drawing people in? How are you expressing yourself? Does it stand out? Because someone can just like go like eat a hot dog and leave. Right. Um, right. And that might be better. That might be better than your show. And like, you may spot them walking away. I've, and that I, could right. play tricks on your Definitely mind. spotted that. Definitely saw some people oh. just like, you know, go get a hot dog. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, I think that that humbling and that recognition was very, very crucial for me to experience. Um, and I'm really, I'm really grateful for that. Okay, so it's Warp Tour. You put out Life is a Dog on yes. your own. And then a couple years later, um, is Crush Me the first bit of music that you yeah. did since the full length? All right. So I start like making music. I'm super, I'm just like, wow, I love being independent. Never need to be on a label. Life's good. Yeah. And then I get an email from Dan Reynolds. From Imagine from Dragons. Imagine Dragons, who I like, you know, obviously I knew Imagine Dragons songs because I was a breathing human. Right. <laughs> um, but I didn't know that much about Dan. I didn't really know a ton about the band's history or what he was up to. And he, you know, we started chatting. He's like, I want to start an imprint. 
um, we're kind of taking a little time between records and I'm interested in signing you to it. And so you'll be on Interscope and, and then I would kind of, you know, Seth and I are kind of like, I don't know, should we? But Dan and I just had such a great connection as people. Yeah. And I think he really felt passionate about using his platform and, and kind of like power within the building to help somebody who was doing something a little different. Yeah. Yeah. And which was, which was me. It's kind of feels so validating and so good that this person is reaching out who spotted you somewhere, who knows how, where, when, why. And it is like, Oh, let's do something together. Yeah. And you know, I think the best part of this job is just the actual relationships I've built and friendships And it was really nice to be able to kind of have Dan as like a mentor and a friend in that capacity. Um, And so to be in a label environment, but kind of like be insulated from it in a weird way was really, really great. So I did Crush Me was the EP, which then became the record everywhere somewhere. Yes. And that that record, you know, in like was a very game-changing record for me absolutely um, were you ready for the avalanche of new ears and eyeballs on you i mean it, it wasn't your first day on the job when that happened you've been doing it right. a bit at that time what was it like it was exciting uh i think i felt it didn't feel sudden and it was i've never had a huge moment in my career where i was like now I'm famous, you yeah. know, <laughs> like what yeah. it's just, I feel like it's been a very steady, um, a, a steady progression, right? Like, and steady growth. And that felt like a big part of it. And it was exciting to be challenged, to do new things, like to play on live television to, you know, I opened for Imagine Dragons on a very lengthy arena tour. What that experience was like, what, you know, not playing in a theater or a club, I, so that that record gave me a lot of opportunities to get outside of my comfort zone. In retrospect, did I always do the best job? No, because I also didn't know what I was doing. It was my first time. Mm. Um, but that's part of it, right? Like it's you don't grow without doing that. For sure. So so yes, I was ready. Could I probably do a better job now on certain things? Yeah. Yeah, but you're, you've been doing it five <laughs> right. years since that, right, exactly. since that time. Exactly. So, Are you mad at the Foo Fighters? Do you want to beat them up because they won the Grammy for Best Rock Song that oh, year? Do you want, like, um, we can find Dave Grohl in the Valley somewhere, <laughs> throw tomatoes at him? You know, I I, I do not blame Dave Grohl for that. <laughs> uh, I blame the forces much. I don't blame anyone, in fact. Uh, it was very shocking to be. I, I don't think I ever considered, like, some of these more traditional old school like validating institutions as that they would ever be part of my story Mm. so I didn't know that Grammy nominations were happening like I I wasn't aware of any of this it wasn't no one said to you hey there's a chance I didn't vote no I like I didn't vote for myself (laughs) I didn't even know you know what I mean like so it was extremely shocking to me I was actually like gobsmacked oh wow wow you know it's kind of like I'm just like, I don't belong here. You know, like what? Aww. That's kind of this. And not As an outsider, a, yeah. I think you did and do. Thank you. Yeah, I, yeah. But you know, it's such, I think it's also hard with music because there's so much music. Like how do you give it best rock song? I don't know. There's like how many rock songs got put out? Yeah, exactly. Too but many. when it's like K-Flay, Avenged Sevenfold, Metallica, Foo Fighters. I know. It's, I root for, again, I root for bands and to see 
artists who are on the younger side in their career, or early in their career, yeah. get that validation excites me. I also am someone that cares a lot about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because the bands that inspired my taste or like made me happy throughout the years, I want them to be recognized. Yeah. So well, I, I care probably more than the artists for that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, for like putting your your mental or emotional energy in kind of like random sources of validation is a dangerous game to play, right? Like, so it's almost like, like something like getting nominated for a Grammy. It feels like at the end of a delicious meal, someone's like, oh, hey, here's like fucking dessert. You know, and you're just like, oh, sick. Right? Like, didn't need it. I'm kind of full already, right? Like, here's the great, just tasty dessert. Yeah. I'll just move along. Um, that's kind of how it felt was like definitely surreal, positive, but it didn't it didn't change the way like I view myself or or the way you wrote solutions or produced it and No. No, okay. Just like, you know, yeah, it didn't. I don't know if that's weird. No, I don't not. think it's weird. Also, I think it's good. I think you come take, from a, yes. I needed the water. water. How's okay. the coffee level? The coffee is really good. Good. Okay. Thank good, you good, for good. this coffee. You're very welcome. A flay drinking on camera. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> you are a uh, music making machine. I love that you said that, or not that you said, but it's um, it hasn't been one thing in your career where all of a sudden you were at this level and you went all the way to the sky. It's this. You're going up. It's perfect. It's a perfect ascent. And I think um, as a result of TikTok, as you just said, and the songwriting you continue to do and the artists you work with, it's like, I feel like you're an unstoppable force now. Really? Thank like, you. Like, just, you've set yourself up for years and years and years because of the talent. It's not just like one random thing that you can do. No, I appreciate that. I think, you know, my my perspective on like my role in this industry and like my purpose in life for <laughs> lack of a better way to put it has changed a lot. Right. Like, and I think a cool thing that's happened as I've gotten older and I've done this for a longer time is just like, it is ego death. Right. So when you asked me, is it easy to take a backseat and help somebody else write a song as an invisible player? Like, yes, it's, it's, it's wonderful. You know? And I think, the the ego death and the clarity that comes with um, learning and growing is really cool. And the more I can apply that to to what I make musically, yeah. the more like exciting that is. And it's just thrilling to to do it. Um, and it's thrilling that every day is different, and every day could change my life or just not at all. <laughs> that's a perfect way to end this thing right that is perfect right there um good luck on the road thank you so much um i also secretly hope that as a result of meeting with the acting teacher we're going to see you on like general hospital one day oh god no i have no <laughs> aspirations of acting though that being said my i grew up really um at the altar of soap operas so i have great reverence for soap operas um is general hospital still on uh, I'm not sure, 
Days of Our Lives, I think, is still on. Okay. Well, I, I grew up on All My Children and One Life to Live. <laughs> okay. And those have sadly been canceled. And I actually have a shrine to uh, Susan Lucci in my you house. You do? Yeah, so don't worry about that. Yeah. I wonder what percentage of people listening or watching know Susan Lucci. She's referenced a lot everywhere. I mean, Susan Lucci is an icon. If you don't know who she is, like DeMar DeRozan, Susan Lucci, <laughs> these are a couple of my personal heroes. <laughs> um, and as we've stated at the beginning, I've devoted my life to Tom Morello. So those are the three key people, Tom Morello, Susan Lucci, and DeMar DeRozan. It's a great list right there. I agree. What's your favorite TV show of all time? Scripted. Scripted TV oh, show. Oh, scripted TV show. Parks and Rec. Really? Parks yeah. and Rec. Okay. What about drama? Did you watch Mad Men, Breaking Mad Bad? Men. Mad, Mad Men. Mad Men. Oh, man. Peggy. The Peggy Dawn. Yes. The Peggy Dawn energy. Strong. Yes. Love that relationship. Um, it's very powerful when there is like a potential, potential sexual energy between two people that is never realized and the relationship remains platonic. And actually, Liz Lemon and Jack Donaghy in... 30 Rock are another good example of that. I love it never when it doesn't happens. come to fruition. Yeah, I, like, why I, is it coming? That's, yes. to me, that's the problem with friends. Like, what are these people? Everyone's dating each other. I'm not a cool person, so I'm not trying to be cool. I never watched Saw Friends. <laughs> <laughs> what? I've seen every episode of Seinfeld and Curb Your Enthusiasm. I like TV. I love television. You've never, you've seen an I episode. mean, I've seen 22 minutes here and there, but... And I can name the characters, and I if they I could recognize wow. them, I respect them. I know it's a great show. Like I yeah. love Frasier, the TV show Frasier. Okay. I, love, I like um, Grounded for Life. I like scripted comedies. Okay, so, yeah, but I never. I don't know why. So the clickbait for this is that Stryker hates Friends and has personal. And Jennifer Aniston is not a good Jennifer actor. Aniston. I don't know why she's famous. She's not a good person. Um, I just my gripe with Friends is just like. Like when, when Rachel started dating Joey, I was like, okay, this thing is like cuckoo. I got to get out of here. Um, I didn't like that. I didn't like that. I like Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec is great because there's a little romance that is good and we like. Yes. But it's, it's really at its heart. To me, Parks and Rec is a good reminder. Like Leslie Nope, and kind of another personal hero, to be, to be honest, these are all people who just like do the thing. They do the thing, and it doesn't matter if, like, anybody gives a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. They give a fuck. So that's really all that matters. Right. And, like, that's beautiful. We just did our thing. We did our thing. And on three, we have to do the Parks and Rec look at camera. Okay. One, two, three. All right. <laughs> we did good. That you did better good. than I did. No, did you I, see how serious? I mean, I, I it was. Well, you kind of, like, rotated. I just sort of went, like, I was going that. for bigger. Even though yeah. it's subtle, because it's... Well, listen, if you had been to an acting coach a couple of days ago, you would have known <laughs> to just go really small with I'm it. I'm going to be very still in my <laughs> goodbye here. She is the great Kay Flay. Thank you so much for being on the show. And go see her play live. What a fun day this has been. Thanks so much for watching. Happy snuggles. Bye-bye. We're done. Thank you so much. That's another episode of Strikers Tuna on Toast. Promise it'll get better. Most likely, for sure, <laughs> maybe. <laughs>